John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. accessed entry 314.ps4503 certificate number 26207 Damascus Steel I think the omnibus is officially are we on the record as being anti the crusades which crusades mm, the bad ones all of them yeah all the bad ones what about all parts are there some good parts to the bad crusades well, maybe there was, um, what if some marginalized people accidentally got helped by some of the crusades? So even though they were bad, there was like one campaign that got some poor farmers out from under some terrible warlord. Well, think about all the stuff that went on between when the crusades left where they started and when they got to where they were headed. There were all those times when... I guess it flooded a lot of money into the sex workers of the Mediterranean. <laughs> yeah. But speaking also, of marginalized people. I mean, think about what it did to the economy of Constantinople, but also... Is that good? Are we pro the economy of Constantinople? I'm not sure. Is this why we can't tax the Byzantine rich? I don't remember what our stance is. What about the Knights Templar and all their uh, all their bandages and, uh, you know, hospitaliers and so forth? <laughs> there were advances in medicine. There were advances it's in... It's true. What if some... Yeah. What if there's some uh, new bandage developed during the Crusades and then research right, finds out it saved, it saved six million people? Wait, wait, wait. What about the one knight that guarded the uh, the, the Holy Grail for all those years until Indiana Jones came and, and, uh, and released him from, his, from his, uh, his oath? Do we think that guy did a good job? Well, he kept that bad the guy. Nazi, the Nazis didn't get it. The bad guy in that slick suit that thought he could, uh, that thought he could, Live forever, you know. He ended up. I don't know. Did his but face I think if that, if that guy had picked the right cup, I think he that guy would have let him have it, right? Oh, I see what you're saying. I mean, that guy's not a Nazi. He's an evil American businessman. But yeah, I right. think the Nazis have he bought looked, him. He looked like a Nazi. You know, Nazis like, bought that guy. But but he was. But don't you think that the knight, uh, the go the the uh, the two thousand year old knight that was guarding the the uh, the cup subtly influenced him to pick the wrong one? Do you think he picks a different game each time, like Price is Right? And this time he was like, I'm going to pick the one that the rich guy always fails, um, (laughs) which I call 
pick the nicest cup. Because it's not that. It's the cup of a carpenter. What does he say? Jesus you would not have had a fancy cup. right choice or something. He, he has some little line reading. That's right. There. That's what he says. You made the right choice. <laughs> he said, oh, 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 oh. The it's, right stuff. It's really hard for me sitting here. I know I know the, that, I, that I agree, Ken, that Omnibus is against the Crusades in general. We but, did that PSA about it, but it's really I, I don't I don't have a list of all the things that happened during all the Crusades. There were so many. Um, I mean, I do not believe that we needed to recapture Jerusalem for the Christians, but there are a lot of other things that happened, right? Didn't didn't uh, didn't we invent the bicycle or? Wasn't yeah, there right. some? And when I say Sal- we, I mean, Saladin had a bicycle. I mean, us, the Crusaders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why is this we again? I mean, is it because you have a beard? No, you know the Crusaders all came from where the Jennings came from, right? Wales? Think about yeah, think about all the Jenningses that that rode uh, the road east. They were mostly um, the they're mostly kind of logistical backup. Oh, you guys ran the Excel spreadsheets for the Crusades? Yeah, merch table. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but let's say in general, the, well, the, we're against the Crusades. Well, I think that you've brought up an interesting point, which is that the Crusades became a cultural meeting point between East and West. Right. And at a time when, um, you know, Isla- the Islamic civilizations of the Near East had a lot of cultural advances that, that you know, 11th century Europe did not. Right, like astronomy and math and... And hand-washing. Yeah, medicine. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, like... I don't. I guess I don't know the history on this, but there must have been stories. I mean, this is this is one of those stories. Mm-hmm. These, these are their stories, but there must have been more cases like this of the West kind of being astounded by the the bounties and marvels of the East. And I don't know if that changed worldviews or not. But you know, it would have been the first time most of these people could have seen what other cultures were capable of. I feel like the the Crusades uh, kind of famously had greater political involvement on the part of women on both sides than, than, um, than we the maybe, than, than, than the men, uh, 80% of all crusaders were women dressed as men. King Richard, uh, kill him, kill him, kill him. Kill him. Richard the Lionheart was astounded to find that he was the only man in his unit. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot, you know, boy, it was a couple of 300 years of crusades just feels like the- off and on. Yeah, right, off and on, right. But a lot, I, I'm going to go on record and say it was medicine and and exchange of, and cultural exchange. Information technology. That are the two things that I'm going to say were good about. The crusade was good for memes. The crusade. The, uh, you know, this is a story of a crusade's discovered technology that blew the minds of the Western Europeans who first saw it, even though... It was, you know, thousands of years. It was over a thousand years old by the time they saw it. Was it hygiene? Is that the thing that blew their minds? <laughs> by it, I mean going outside to pee. No one in Europe had thought of just not peeing in the corner of the of the hut. Stop eating rats. <laughs> Signed, the Seljuks. Uh, they first saw what has come to be called Damascus Steel, and what was already called Damascus Steel, the name goes back to Islamic texts that predate the Crusades. Did they see it in Damascus? They did not. Well, uh, it's not clear. It's right on the way. Dema- <laughs> you can't. <laughs> Damascus uh, steel is, pro- you know, it's one of these things like Panama hats that are not from the 
place in the name. You're you know, blowing my mind. Where are Panama hats from? Ecuador. Trivia people love this kind of oh, stuff. French right. fries are from Belgium yeah, and German true. chocolate cake is just invented by a Austria. like a Mexican American guy named German oh, or you know ooh. something like that. Sure, the Caesar salad is not named exactly. after Caesar. There's all these uh, after that other Caesar. There's all these kind of ge- geographic misnomers. And Damascus wait, Waldorf, deal appears to be Waldorf one of them. salad is from the Waldorf Hotel. It was invented by Waldorf from the Muppet <laughs> Show. <laughs> There's a Statler salad as well that did not catch up. So is Damascus steel something from the Orient? Yeah, the etymology is confusing. Uh, the it certainly comes from further east. It was named after Damascus the Chin, Damascus. the the ancient Chinese sword maker. You know, Damascus I always thought of as the oldest city in the world because that was the common that was the common Guinness Book of World Records line when I was a kid, and I liked those kind of books. Nine thousand years old. I know you do, but I guess the scholarship is not so good now. Like it appears that there were settlements in the great what is now the Greater Damascus area in nine thousand BC. But that does not mean that they were continuously inhabited. None of them appear to be in what is currently the old city of Damascus. Which uh, is currently now just a pile of stones. Right, right? which has now seen better days, but which appears to have been maybe uninhabited until about, I can't remember, I think it's about 2000 BC. Like, there's no evidence of a, of a current city center centered Damascus prior but, to 2000 years ago, even though there were... It feels like settlement. the greater Damascus area. Uh, but should you get like credit region. for that? Because it might not be a continuous settlement. It might have just been, well, for a while, some people had some cottages over by the mountains. And then another group of people independently had some over by the river a thousand years later. So what's your, what case, who are you making a case for? Plovdiv, Bulgaria has a surprisingly <laughs> strong case, and I am not joking. I've been to Plovdiv. And did you could you sense the ancestral weight I of, could. This, of the it's millennia? A, there's a, it's a heavy town, Plovdiv. Uh, I don't know. I was just reading an article. I happened to, I went down a deep dive this morning about who has the best claim and, of uh, uh, Varanasi, India, I guess, Plovdiv, I guess Aleppo, Syria is pretty good because it's, it's that part of the world, but it's a port, you know? So right. whatever the civilization was, it probably would have been in exactly the same place on the, on the Harbor or on the coast. Yeah. You do have to kind of guess that people have been going down to the beach where you can most easily access the beach. Right. Since where's the deep water going to be in old where, olden times, where can the, where are the fish going to be? Where can the boats launch to get the fish? Right. Uh, this was an article in the guardian. And at one point they kind of sniff, this is a tough question, even though you can immediately leave aside all of North America and Australasia. I was like, come on, come yeah, on guys up yours come guardian. On. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You're from Manchester. Yeah, we can also leave Manchester out of it. <laughs> I'm sure the Druids had huts in what is now the, at least the outskirts of Manchester. So the goal is continuous occupation. You, you, you're not even on the list unless you can well, yeah, plausibly I mean, say continuous occupation. Well, because otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, what are we even measuring? Yeah, I guess. First, you, first you, want the con, you want the continuity of cityness, and that goes away if somebody builds a different group of huts in a different part of the valley. Oh, sure. I guess, I guess I get what you're saying. It's not just I found some arrowheads buried in the sand. Right. It's that... I found somebody's shoes. But uh, the reason why it's called Damascus Steel, there's a bunch of theories because the name appears to predate any writing on the subject. Uh, the <laughs> It could be just from the same root of Damascus, which appears to be a, a word for water. Damask. You know? It could be from Damascus the fabric. That's yeah. actually possibly true. It's a way of weaving silk or cotton or whatever in a very specific pattern. And uh, Damascus Steel kind of has this cloth-like ripple, as we'll see. Um, it might just be that that was where traders first saw it. 
you know, Damascus, Damascus, maybe not the most ancient city. It's no Plovdiv. Right. But it would have been a place, a place where there would have been markets and trade routes and somebody could have been selling something that came from, from back East. Yeah. Uh, but the crusaders were wowed by the weapons of their opponents. Damascus steel had a few things to recommend it. The crusaders immediately saw it was, it doesn't chip as easily. Right. It's very tough. You can, you can just uh, uh, whack a suit of armor all day and all mm-hmm. night <laughs> if you're one of those mm-hmm. Saracens. I'm on that website. If you, you know, you can just kind of just sure whacking the Saracen, whacking King Richard like a big pinata. Uh, it was legendarily sharp as well. It would keep an edge, and there are lots of stories about you know a feather or a hair drifting onto a sword and going, whoosh, or even it slicing through. Suit of armor. Suit, uh, yeah, plate armor, or later, you know, it could slice through a gun barrel. You have lots of these kind of colonialist era stories of of uh, these exotic Indian weapons that can just slice through a British musket uh, barrel. But besides that, it's uh, it's beautiful. If you've yeah, ever seen Damascus it steel, it's got this kind of watery banding or modeling mm-hmm. in kind of an organic... There are different kinds of formations. It's like a fingerprint where there are... Even though it's kind of random and ripply, there are patterns that emerge that are called roses and ladders and so forth that kind of have different, suggest different images to the eye. And that's a, uh, a product of its method of manufacture? It's secret and mysterious method of manufacture. Mm-hmm. The other thing that sparked the interest of the Crusaders, uh, you know, we don't have anything like this in Europe and nobody will tell us where it comes from or, or oh, how it's made. best. No one knows who they were, where they were, what they were doing. They knew it didn't come from Damascus. It, it now appears that most of the the Damascus steel that Europeans first would have seen uh, was uh, worked. What, what do you say? Yeah, worked in Persia, but Persia was not the source of the actual metal. That it came from further east, still a more more mysterious and, and remote places. Oh, so every time you tried to get to the bottom of it, it was like, well, yeah, we made it, but we got the yeah. stuff from... The thing is, you got to use this special steel that right. comes from, and that came from even further away, and those people were not talking. And so legends would grow up among the Europeans who first saw this amazing, eye-catching steel, which also appeared to be great in battle. Um, and, you know, even before the Crusaders, there are, there are Isla- Arabic and Islamic texts describing you know, kind of the amazing mysterious technique that must be behind this stuff. You know, it, it has to be, it must be tempered, uh, till it glows like the sun rising in the desert. And then it will be when it is the color of Royal purple, then it must be removed from the fire. In particular, uh, the Europeans, the medieval Europeans seem to be quite taken by all the legends about how you quench. Yeah. The you, gotta hot quench. you gotta quench the blade. I mean, the quenching is what's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. Cause it goes, psh- it's why orca's the best animal, not a brown bear. But if you because mm, it if, goes, psh- if you do the but if you do the quenching wrong, it's it makes it brittle. So it's it's a dramatic moment. Yeah. Um, but they would they had all these uh, very baroque ideas of of the secret of how you would quench it, mostly in what you would quench it in. In various accounts, uh, the secret of Damascus of steel enemies. is that it's quenched in dragon blood. Yeah. So not even the blood of your enemies, the blood of your non-existent mythical enemies, yes. a dragon. Um, or it comes from a specific, it's, uh, it's often urine. Oh, you got to quench it in a, a dragon's urine, a d- urine from a donkey in the mountains of Afghanistan or the urine of a redheaded boy or, oh. 
Oh, even oh even boy. even worse. <laughs> That's very problematic. No, this is the last remaining acceptable prejudice. Oh, I see. Okay. Although I did see somewhere I was reading somebody used the phrase "redheaded stepchild" colloquially, uh-huh. only to stir up a, a Twitter's nest of of angry and marginalized redheads all who the, are not taking the, it anymore. All the gingers that are still like living in in hovels. Put any other skin color or physical feature there, John, and, or any other kind of disability and see how that sentence sounds to you now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's okay to still make fun of redheads. They're I, there are a lot of redheads in my family and, and uh, we don't make fun of them for their redheadedness. Because they would attack you. Yeah, they're a lot richer than we are. Oh, I see. <laughs> but, I thought you were just worried because they'd put a letter opener in you. No, we talk about them behind their backs, but their redheadedness never comes up. There are so many other things to be mad at them about. But back then, there were lots of superstitions about the the, the magic yeah. of ooh, redheaded ooh, people. Ooh. Not, maybe dangerous, but also maybe powerful in a good way. So, mm, no. I don't know. Powerful in a good way? Well, if, 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 if you can make them pee in a cup and it gives you a, a prettier sword. Oh, I see what you're saying. Sure. Or if you tousle their hair before the battle and, and then you beat the Saracens. That's right. Right. It puts their magic redness on your hand. Sure. Yeah. Um, in another account, it must be the urine. You have to quench your blade in the urine of a three-year-old goat that has eaten nothing but ferns for three days. Which seems like a lot of work just to get a modeled sword. It feels like, it feels like the writers are waxing poetical. Uh, because they're trying to fill in for something they have no they have no actual information about. But that seems like an easy one to duplicate. Look, sure. Take I your goat, get a goat, feed it ferns for three days. Feed it ferns. What could be easier here in the Pacific Northwest? Right. And then have it pee have, on a sword. Yeah. And then put its foot, hoof in water at a sleepover. Right. And have it pee on a sword. <laughs> <laughs> there were other accounts of just non-existent liquids, like you know, you have to dip it in red medicine or green medicine. Yeah, green medicine. Kind of blurry. You know, today we would call those different flavors of, of NyQuil. Right. But, oh, and there are red and green NyQuils. There are. Yeah. When I was a kid, we always night. took the purple one. Remember how, um, was it Robitussin always like fake grape flavor? Yeah. And we, when I was a kid, we called it purple yuck. And my mom was like, no, it tastes oh, like yuck. grapes. It's purple yum. And we were not buying it. You know, I, uh, back in a time of my life when I, when I knew... Um, some share of some share of my friends were heroin addicts. The Robitussin, if you, if you if the heroin supply dro, uh, you know dried up for a few days, Robitussin was widely understood to be the thing that could carry you over. Um, and then Theraflu hit the market, and all the junkies were really into Theraflu as a as like, and it's an over the counter. You can just get Theraflu. I mean, you could Robitussin then too. You're giving a. This is moving beyond local color, and almost sounds like you're giving advice at this point. I feel like if if you're listening to Omnibus, if you're a futureling, and you're also a heroin addict, and you can't get any heroin, well, I don't know if this works for fentanyl because that's a that's a whole other dimension. Your your, your advice is 15 years old at least. But but if you, and I don't even know if you can get uh, Robitussin anymore, and I don't know if it has the same ingredients that it did back in the late 80s. But anyway, if if you're living in 1989 and you're Jonesing, go to the drugstore and get some Theraflu. Except anything like that, well, they'll immediately put in the in the locked up part of the drugstore. If yeah, if it days. either if there's anything you can do with it, or if a rumor goes around that there's anything good you can do with it. Yeah, that's right. But I think you know, I think what you need to do is time travel back tonight to the late '80s when when uh, when nobody was guarding that part of the grocery store. You could also steal some razor blades while you're at it. If you're going to time travel, I'm not just going to use it to get Sudafed. What are you going to do? Go back and refight the Crusades? I'll kill but, Hitler but, while you're getting Sudafed. Right. You, 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 you know what? Reprobate? Killing Hitler is the dumbest thing you could do with time travel. Do, do you really think that the people in the 1930s didn't kill Hitler because they didn't know how? 
I just think they could have killed Hitler. I just think that I'll meet other time travelers that way because that's where everybody goes. Oh right, I'm doing it for the scene. You're like about to sneak into Hitler's, like Hitler's bedchamber, nursery. and then there's like some beautiful girl there in a ninja outfit. And you're like, what are you doing? I'm here to kill Hitler. I'm here to kill Hitler. Oh we have so God. much in common. I love you. John, omnibus listeners already know about your uh, diving helmet and uh, fishing net store. Absolutely. Do you have any plans to expand in the new year by hiring new employees? Well, that would be my goal, right? Once you corner the market on old fishing helmets, you're going to want to expand to all the ports of of the Americas and then ultimately the world. You're going to need comely salespeople to, mm-hmm. to, to model the mm-hmm. diving helmets while wearing perhaps very little else. But also I would like them to be well-versed in diving and scuba and fishing. The, the histories thereof. It's going to be hard to staff these stores, in other words. <laughs> it's a tricky hiring problem, John, but let me recommend to you Indeed. Indeed is the hiring partner that will let you attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Do you think Indeed's going to be able to help me hire such a skilled but also comely staff? Absolutely. You are guaranteed to find quality applicants faster because, you know, you'd spend hours on multiple job sites trying to find people with the right skills, but Indeed will do all that for you. Every step of the hiring process, they have time-saving tools like Instant Match available to you. I'm looking for someone to partner with me Uh, to get a short list of quality candidates with resumes that match my job description. Now, can I invite them to apply right away through Indeed? It's hard to believe how lucky you are, John. That's exactly the service Indeed provides. And you know what? I've got a new offer that you should be aware of. Well, you seem like you're about to give me some inside skinny here. If your diving helmet empire takes off, you can start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit. To upgrade your job, post at Indeed.com slash Omnibus. That offer is valid through March 31st. 2022. In the new year. So you're saying if I go to Indeed.com slash Omnibus, I can claim a $75 credit before March 31st? That's right, at Indeed.com slash Omnibus. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Other methods of quenching were not even liquids. This is how crazy it got. The, Wait a minute. Instead of, well, well can you think of a non-liquid way gonna, to quench? I, was, I thought you were going to say like sap, but not even a liquid. No. How do you quench it in sand? Magic sand? You could quench it in the air. Like what if you give it to a, uh, you give it to a, a horseman mm-hmm. who then is instructed to ride at a furious gallop mm-hmm. and somehow the, the pounding hoofbeat yeah. will impart a martial spirit to the blade as it cools. So he's just got to wave it in the air uh, and, and kind of air dry. What if you waved it in the air like you just didn't care? <laughs> wow. What, <laughs> what an insouciant spirit that would impart to the blade. What if you tied it to a three-year-old goat that had only eaten ferns? There is something even crazier, which is homicidal quenching, which I guess is the term for... Quench it in the body. Yeah. You, oh. you take the red-hot sword and you find your most muscular slave... Or, or, or bondsman or, or uh, whatever you have. In, in Oh, there's no nice way to put this. No. And then you just go right through his abdomen and that, that gets his, his uh, strength, his inner strength into the blade as it cools. Let me just say that we are uh, here at the Omnibus Project. We are against Hitler. We're against, first of all, any kind of slavery, even the nice kind that people try apologetics for. We're against killing slaves. But this does not appear to be the nice kind. No. They're sticking swords in them just in hopes of getting a nice... Well, it's sort of like eating shark's fins or rhinoceros testicles or whatever 
we do not here at Omnibus believe that you can transfer, uh, transubstantiate the strength of one thing into another thing. And is that the only reason you're against stabbing your slaves because it doesn't work? Come on, John. Mm. <laughs> that's the main. That's the main argument against let me, it. I mean, you know, if uh, if I have never you, had to consider a world where this worked. If you could time travel back to kill Hitler by killing someone by quenching your blade in what a in cool a way, what person, a cool way to kill Hitler. I mean, to bring a red hot sword back from the future. So this is the trolley problem. Would you would you go back to kill Hitler if the only way to do it was by cl- quenching your blade in the abdomen of a strong? No, uh, the, the, the trolley problem is like Hitler is standing in the bunker, right? But then three other high-ranking Nazi officials are standing in a nice line over to the side, and you can only quench your sword once. Do you run through Hitler, or do you run through the three uh, high command officers standing in a in a line? I think that that makes no sense. The trolley problem is there are three Hitlers <laughs> on one side, and well, wait a minute, and a slave. No, I don't understand the trolley problem. Anne Frank is in Hitler's bunker for some reason. Okay, but she's only been eating ferns for three days. I can't get I can't get my head around this. Um, so anyway, medieval Europe came with all these incredibly elaborate ideas of kind of a mystical idea of what could possibly make steel that looked this cool and was still this tough. Oh, did they do that? Did they do that thing where they tried to like draw the 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 uh, tree rings on the blade or, or make it so that it looked like that, but it kind of does look like tree rings. Yeah. It looks like the, the knot holes and stuff in wood that just occurred to me now. Yeah. If you, if it's you got a very cool organic, look. if you plane wood at a certain angle, yeah, you get a sort of Damascus steel look. To it looks the wood. like what you see if you close your eyes and have just had too much Robitussin. Uh-huh. It looks like what you see if John looks at a magic eye yeah. Poster and cannot see the dolphin. Just looks like a magic eye poster. Now, spo- I see it. I see it. Now you, now it's a magic eye poster. You're asking if like there are ways to simulate that. And in fact, there are. Like if you go to a some kind of nerd knife and sword store in the mall today. Been there. And like this is Cabela's is not going to have Damascus steel. This has got to be someplace where you can buy a, a letter opener with with Quenya elvish lettering on it. You do um, you do see like Japanese kitchen knives that uh, that have the look of Damascus steel. Are they not? Um, much of the stuff you're buying might actually be simulating those patterns using... In the 1970s, it was discovered how to produce a similar uh, ornamentation using pattern welding, oh. I guess, which is a way of getting different layers of metal to adhere together with a kind of a hammering technique. Okay. And apparently it produces similar mottling. Um... Uh, but the only reason we're trying to approximate it in the 1970s is because the technology was lost. No! Are you kidding me? We don't know how to do Damascus steel. No, you're steel. kidding me. Uh, we and, don't know how to do Damascus steel? And it happened centuries ago. What are we doing? As a as a culture? Yeah, what are we We're spend, trying to build time machines to kill Hitler. No, we're spending all this time making electric cars. We should be devoting ourselves to finding the secret of Damascus, Damascus steel because we have no idea how long our civilization survived, but we also have no idea how many things we're missing out on. What could Elon Musk do you don't if know. he had Damascus steel technology? And you don't know when Obama's going to come to your house and take all your guns. Exactly. And, One more in thing. In which case you need cutting edge, cutting edge. Cutting edge, cutting edge. The So it's been a while. It's been a minute since Damascus steel went away. The rise it's of- It's been a while. The, <laughs> stained? The rise <laughs> of guns- 
pretty much did it for Damascus steel because like so many other things, because I guess somebody went around and shot all the people that knew how to make it. That's where we lost the great white Buffalo too. No, it just, it, you know, it was better tech. Yeah. And the idea that you needed a really good sword edge, you know, matters less if somebody can kill you from across the room. Um, and the fact that, you know, the, the rise of, of uh, firearms killed off Damascus steel meant the people have been trying to recapture the secret of it for centuries. Hmm. Like even what are Michael Faraday's dates? You know, Michael, the father of modern electromagnetism, Michael Faraday, what he's a 19th century guy, uh, 1791 to 1867. So in the 19th century, even Michael Faraday, whose dad was a blacksmith and I guess is therefore interested in all things metallurgical mm-hmm. is trying to figure out what you do to steel to make it damascened and damascened and he incorrectly decides that it must be silicon and aluminum people people feel like it's trace elements um, oh i see that's sure. one re- that's one reason for all the urine based theories like what if that's getting nitrogen right and that somehow affects the tempering of the metal but it's um, it's and, and faraday's wrong like the guy knew everything about circuits but he he thought he could make steel Damascus with silicon and aluminum, and that turned out to be exactly wrong. So learning to, to harden steel in blades, like there, there were a lot of developments over the course of ancient times uh, where you folded and refolded steel, you hammered that, it, you what quenched the, it. That's what samurai swords are. You know, if, right. you, if you fold it over 30 times, you're going to get like a million layers, right. a million teensy little micro layers. And I always assumed that Damascus steel was a product of that kind of folding and refolding. I didn't realize that we'd lost the ability to make it. It's not to this day, the people who are trying to recapture the secret of Damascus steel disagree over even the nature of what Damascus steel was. I mean, there are artifacts that we can look at yeah. in, in museums that survived the age when, but there may be questions over how authentic this Damascus steel is, what era it's from, which of its properties it keeps now. We need hundreds to talk of to some later. Highlanders, I think. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we need to like find some Highlanders and say, sh- show us your swords. I'm not going to listen to a Highlander podcast because there can be only one host. Yeah, right. It's just, it's boring. They're pretty boring Highlanders, honestly. Um, the So as you say, there's a lot of technique that goes into this kind of forging. You have to harden, you know, there's different techniques to harden the metal. And then once it's hardened, there's different techniques to temper it, which is a way of... Now that you've made it hard, you got to make it a little soft, or else it's not a good, yeah, good too, blade, right? Too snappy, but because it'll be brittle. But you do it over and over, right? You harden it, you temper it, you harden it, you temper it, you slam it, you you jam it. There's any number of combinations. Twist it, you bop it, you turn it. From what we can tell, the origins of authentic Damascus steel, um, which was often, you know, the weapons were often made in Persia. Come from everything good back then comes from good ingots, as we know. Oh yeah, and these in particular were the steel ingots of Tamil Nadu, the southeastern part of India, Sri Lanka, and uh, and you know what is today kind of the modern day Chennai region. Yeah, appears to be the metallurgical the source of the Ur, the Ur secret of Damascus steel, even though it could not be much further from Damascus and be part of the known world at that time. Uh, in that part of the world, they called it Wootz steel. Wootz. W-O-O-T-Z. Wootz, there it is. Which sounds, yeah. Which, yeah, it has a very early, uh, late, what, late 90s, <laughs> early 2000s. It seems like maybe a dot-com that advertised on the Super Bowl the day before it collapsed. Yeah, Wootz, I have one of their tote bags. 
It turned out their other products didn't work, but those tote bags are still good. Woots.io. Right? Um, yeah, I don't know where the secret of Woots appears to be. <laughs> I'm not never not going to laugh at the secret of Woots. That feels like an, ep- an episode of Adventure Time. <laughs> <laughs> Princess Woots, we're here to save you. Ah, I'm Princess Woots. That's my uh, impression of an Adventure Time show. That's nice. I'm one of the animators that work on this show, so I get to do the voices. Everyone sounds like Lumpy Space Princess. <laughs> uh, the Even though Europeans didn't see Damascus steel to the 11th century, ingots of Woots steel had been, been produced at least... That, that's that's BC technology. That stuff is hmm. two to three thousand years old. Were the ingots themselves being traded uh, globally a long time before Damascus steel arrived? Uh, they were certainly making their way to markets west. Crusaders didn't didn't have them, but did the did right? The, but did I think the, the Persian Empire, oh, I think, okay. would have been would have been aware. There's an ancient Pervish Pervish. Mm. There's an ancient Persian proverb where they would refer to an Indian answer or an, like an answer from India. And this, you know, today any, any idiom with Indian in it is racist and you shouldn't say it anymore. But back then that just meant like to answer somebody with a sword to give somebody an Indian answer was to like slice them in half. Oh, Like it's a cool way to be like, it, it's like a gangster thing. Yeah. I gave him an Indian answer. Yeah. I like that. Swickety swack. Yeah. He sleeps with the fishes. So b- even back then in ancient Persia, they had this metaphor that you I gave know, him the woots. India is where the good woots <laughs> came from because they have the good ingots. You're going to get the woots, buddy. And the problem is that India knew what it had. You know, the, these, these Tamil metal workers knew. Oh, that's always the problem. The, Tamil metal metal workers are always the problem. Well, Tamil that's metal, not a good way. To Tamil metal metal workers know what they have. <laughs> Did you ever see Tamil metal workers open for yeah, for, for, for pavement <laughs> for blonde redhead? I did. I did. Pretty shoegazy. It appears from analyzing uh, the steel today that the secret was actually in the ingots that they would use a very Ancient Chinese secret. The, huh? they, ancient Tamil secret. Uh-huh. That they would use a very porous iron and they would heat it. They would. Um, so they, is it metallurgical in the sense that it yes, does it, have it does have some mineral? They were refining it into steel uh, with bamboo charcoal or yeah. charcoal made from bamboo and other native plants of southern India, which is great because it sounds like a, a regional and exotic secret. Right. Um, they would. Heated at high temperature, like up to 2,300 degrees, which could not have been easy to do before Christ. Bamboo firing. For days. Everybody it, knows that Christ revolutionized steel manufacturing. When Christ came, he was <laughs> like, now you guys don't have the Bessemer process yet. Let me show you how to make a uh, blast furnace out of fishes. <laughs> not recorded in the Bible. But you would, you, would, uh, you would heat this stuff at a high temperature for, smelt it? Is that, what you, yeah. is that what you do when you turn iron to steel? What's the verb for that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for high temperatures for days with very little oxygen. Oh, wow. Crazy. And what that does is you get a lot of carbon in yep. your steel. Yep. And that's funny because when you think about it, a lot of modern steel refining technologies exist. Try to get the carbon out. Get the carbon out. Like modern good steel might be as low as 0.3 to 0.4% carbon. Whereas it now appears that these Woots ingots would give you steel that was almost 2% carbon. Whoa. So it would produce carbides, like uh, compounds between iron atoms and, you know, metal metal plus a carbon, or or actually multiple carbon atoms. 
Um, but yep. it would but it wouldn't be brittle. I mean, the reason why you want to get carbon out of your steel is that it tends to make it brittle. But something about this process, and I guess the tempering that followed it, um, gave you those cool ridges and a very strong ductile steel, but not it wouldn't shatter. My daughter and I watch steel mill videos on YouTube together all the time um, because there are these wonderful old films. We just watch Flashdance in my house. Oh, what a feeling. To get that steel mill vibe. Um, but like these great films of like the, because they're the, these industrial films that are like, here we see the steel mill in operation. Nothing like seeing something pouring orange out of something else and sparks flying. It's so great. And especially the scale and and throughout the videos, they're explaining what's going on. Like, and then we put in the Coke and then we add this and then we take that off and watching the, it go through the rollers and all the stuff that's kind of sloughing off of it. It's all fascinating. And yet watching it all the time, I still know so little. I can, I can speak so poorly about steel manufacture. It feels like something. I was surprised to learn that the, uh, the groundbreaking Bessemer process, which is what changed the steel industry, is no longer used. There's uh, there's some kind of free oxygen. Uh, I support it. I support free oxygen. Uh, what's it called? That's part of my my platform. The basic oxygen process, or Linz Donowitz process. The problem with the Bessemer process is it made it it, it it was so fast. You know, you didn't have time to like do any kind of quality control over the batch because after ten to twenty minutes of heat. You got steel. It's done. Put it on grocery store shelves. It also didn't remove phosphorus, apparently. the It removed all the impurities they knew of at the time. But now that we know more about phosphorus, we can see the Bessemer process is not good for that. So we use we use even better techniques to make steel today. And no, I don't know what they are either. So how, how much of the this Tamil Tiger uh, steel process was about the length of time it sat in the smelter? If they're doing it for days, that can't be typical, And right? it can't be for no reason. <laughs> right. Right? I mean, you wouldn't just keep throwing bamboo into the furnace. Unless maybe they're just really chill metal workers. They go... They're like, yeah, They just... go just listen to some uh, monkey's chatter, and they <laughs> chew some kind of nut that makes your teeth red, and they've got a, a good, easygoing life in, yeah, in keep southern India. Keep that thing lit up. No, I bet there's a... They had to have discovered that the long cooking process in a low oxygen environment played a major role, and that is uh, counter our modern industrial like get her done process. But isn't it nice that it turns out the artisanal t- small batch stuff was made better stuff? It feels like maybe Mao was onto something with his backyard. <laughs> it uh, feels like all these brew pub guys need to start doing uh, Woot style. <laughs> metallurgy in their basements if only china had more bamboo <laughs> the pandas are, are are just leaving the cupboards bare the problem of course as it so often is in these stories is the british raj what wait a minute we were back in the crusades yeah the so the making of woot steel continued for centuries but you know kind of off the off the grid because it was yeah. a a small intentionally small secretive group right um kind of a I'm picturing a Da Vinci Code kind of yep. bunch of people with some secret handshakes. I was reading about the um, the sort of glass-making guilds of Venice. Oh, Murano and Burano. Yeah, and how Dale Chihuly in the, in the Northwest uh, went to Venice and was like 
playing slap and tickle with the Venetian uh, glass artists in the 60s and 70s, and they all traded secrets. And all of a sudden, this like thousand year old. Uh, He's not that old. Indu- well, I, he seems like it. Uh, this thousand year old uh, Venetian industrial process that was closely guarded secret, all of a sudden, all these dinglings up in Pilchuck on <laughs> Lake Washington are like, oh, we know how to do that now. And, uh, and, and Venice lost their, their, um, and all it took was just one hail guy with an eye patch and a Prosecco and yeah. And now, and now Venice is just a, a desolate corner. Nobody ever wants to go there. I've, it's just this. I've wandered around Murano and there's still 1 million glass shops. Yeah, I can, so. I can relieve your, your anxiety on that. Count. They are still making plenty of vases. Ken, I want to talk to you about Squarespace. Oh boy. Is this an intervention? Uh, no, I've been, well, maybe like, uh, it, do you have a Ken Jennings website? I think you do. I do. And you know what? I've actually been thinking about putting some new stuff up there. I feel like it would be a good place to put like some, uh, some trivia puzzles now that I'm not doing an email anymore. Well, I've been using Squarespace for many years to publish johnroderick.com and I find it intuitive and, uh, and an incredibly cool, like, uh, cause you're not a web programmer guy. I'm really not. And I, you're for a bit a, of a rookie for a long time, I, it was the barrier to entry of having a cool website was just that I didn't know how to use the tools and wasn't interested in learning. I feel like almost everybody needs a website for something, whether they've just got work they want to show off or you know, content writing they want to publish, blogging, if there's something they want to sell. And what Squarespace does is Squarespace has these incredible templates created by world-class designers that are just waiting for you to populate them. They have e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online that, you know, it would be impossible to develop on your own. And it looks like you know what you're doing. You get a beautiful professional site in no time. It's optimized for mobile Right out of the box, which, you know, I can tell you there are still a lot of websites out there that are terrible on your phone. It looks like they pretty much do everything, including the hosting side. They give you analytics of how your site is doing. They can help you buy domains. They can, you can choose over from, uh, from over 2000 extensions. Optimize your search engine results. Like it's really a one-stop shop with 24 seven customer service. There's nothing to patch or upgrade ever. And we're encouraging people here at Omnibus to make it. Make it yourself. Easily create a website by yourself. Make it stand out. Stand out with a beautiful website. What you want to do right now, if you are starting up a website, is head to squarespace.com omnibus. That'll give you a free trial. Then when you're ready to launch, if you use the offer code omnibus, you will save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. So let me thank you, Squarespace, for hosting my own webpage, johnroderick.com, which I encourage everyone to go to right now. And uh, Squarespace has been a partner with me for over a decade. And thank you for supporting Omnibus and the Omnibus Project. Go to squarespace.com slash omnibus for a free trial. And then with the offer code Omnibus, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Thank you, Squarespace. It's not well understood how the secret of of, uh, of this Tommel steel got lost. So how do, how are we blaming it on the Raj? Well, that's the time period when it happened. Um, it you know it, I'm not saying you know the British disrupted mining and the British would have right. you know the British the new 
European influence there would have disrupted their normal trade routes to get their steel paid for. And I'm sure somebody in a pith helmet was like, that's not how you do it. Let me show you the British way. <laughs> um, it's po- these, this is all theory. It's possible that there were other trace elements that that we don't know about. That you Cobalt. Know, the sources were lost. Vanadium or, or whatever you need to make your woot steel perfectly, you know, wootserific. Yeah, you need vibranium and you can only get that from Wakanda. That's right. Once the meteorites of, of vibranium stop falling, what are you going to do? Right. You think the British would not let Wakandan goods in? Well, that's the problem, right? Wakanda was also part of the uh, British colonial empire. No, but, they never well, fell. The area around Wakanda, sure, they the British couldn't get there. But yeah, um, but it, trade. it also might just be a problem of like a, a, a tiny guild of people knew how to do it. Yeah. And in the same way that, you know, you don't see a lot of shakers around today. Sure, you knock the teeth out of old Tom and then how are you going to, how are you going to keep the... Keep them down on the farm. But it, but there are traces through the years, even after kind of Woot Steel dies out, there are traces of this technology. And, you know, because there was so much written about it by Middle Eastern and European writers glowingly writing about it, you know, it had a kind of sense of mystery the way Greek fire did. Did it become, uh, what, what, did it, did that area s- continue to be a steel manufacturing part of the world? Is there steel from Southern... I actually didn't know, but it looks to me like India has just overtaken Japan as the world's second largest steel producer. So awesome. there, there is a big domestic steel industry. But is it? I wonder is, what their Pittsburgh is. Is it down there in the the Tamil region? Uh, there are steel plants there. Uh, it looks like they've nationalized their steel industry as Sale, the Steel Authority of India Limited, and. Uh, there's a, in the city of Salem in Tamil Nadu, there's a big stainless steel plant. But I mean, some of this is just by, by virtue of the vast scale of India. I mean, there's. Right. There's, they're going to have a big. If human beings do industry. it, it's done in India, in India one million times a second. Yeah. <laughs> that is correct. But over the years, you know, you see little traces popping up of this technology. Like um, in Russia, there was a the very first Romanov Tsar, Michael, had an axe made of what was called bulat, which was this steel with these kind of similar markings that they would use for axes and helmets and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's now believed that was kind of the same technology kind of bubbling northward from the subcontinent. Oh, sure. You know, some kind of Persia-Turkmenistan makes its way to Russian kind of route. But the last couple centuries have been just a series of attempts to reverse engineer the secrets now lost of Damascus steel. In the 1820s, the Paris Mint started a, a project to just try every trace element they could in steel, you know, uh-huh. bismuth and cobalt and, you know, whatever it takes, trying to get something that would replicate its properties, and they could not do it. And as we mentioned, you know, in the 1970s, it was discovered that you could get some of the same look right. with, with pattern welding techniques. But which, you could, when, when they did side-by-side comparisons, it just didn't match up to the quality of Damascus Yeah, steel. it doesn't have the, the toughness and the, uh, as well as the, you know, the sharp, the sharp edge. Right. Um, in the 19, like in me. the early 1980s, tough, tough but edge. with a sharp edge. Mm-hmm. In the 1980s, two metallurgists at Stanford published a paper that got a lot of media attention saying, we've done it. We've uncovered the secret of Damascus steel. And I think these were the first people to say, and it's carbon. And it's cold fusion. <laughs> Except their results held. Oh, really? Um, it's carbon. 
And it's just crazy to me that that spectrometry mm-hmm. that you, it would have taken that long to figure out what the the metal was. It's it's right. Yeah, you you should be able to look at an existing blade and and say, oh, this is. But but maybe it was just too tough. They you know yeah. it's, it's like um, trying to give Superman an injection. You try to get a little sample from the from the Damascus steel blade, and you can't get any off. Um, these two Stanford guys put out a paper saying, here's, you know, here we figured it out. You know, you, you do low temperature hammering that, you know, that's what gives you a carbon, a carbon heavy steel. That's still not brittle. It forms these grains of carbide. Um, so for about 40 years, we've had a pretty good idea that carbon is essential to the Wootz steel secret, but there's still, it's still kind of a contentious area. In 2006, a German group found evidence in Damascus steel of what we now call carbon nanotubules. Oh, yes. You know, this new... I know about them. This new isotope. You know, you take graphene, this kind of one carbon atom thin stuff, you you, you roll it up into these little tubes, which are the strongest and stiffest stuff known to... Do you know about it through aerospace or... Yeah, just, you know, carbon nanotubes. I mean, we talk about them all the time over at my house. How, how would it come up? Like, what's like, what, what kind of thing would somebody say to introduce carbon nan- nanotubules to the conversation over oh dinner? Oh, God, it just feels like that. It's just every day, carbon nanotubes. So how was your day, uh, John? Anything uh, anything new in the world of carbon nanotubules? Well, I feel like we we use carbon nanotubes as a metaphor a lot. For your inner toughness? Yeah. Your just, sort of, just sort of like, how are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling tough but flexible. So if the German finding is correct... Then the secret Which of this... they always are. Well, they've got that Prussian resolve. <laughs> Except for a few of their ideas <laughs> yeah. didn't, didn't hold water. If that's correct, then, you know, that, that's the perfect story where you have the, you know, this 2,000-year-old culture yep. from a part of the world that would not have been, that the Europeans would not have regarded as the forefront of anything, who were actually using, today, cutting-edge stuff. They had figured out how to get carbon nanotubules into their steel. You keep saying cutting edge and not making a giant waggly eyebrows. Uh, I did it once, but, but okay. what, what, what should I say? Avant-garde. No, that's not right. No. Hyper-modern. Uh, yeah, just say like, I mean, some of the best Emerging technology. Some of the best things, Ken, are like some of the oldest things. So that would be the lesson. Again, like me. That would be the lesson, that not only were these artisanal techniques great, they gave us um, you know, new tech thousands of years early that aerospace and other in- industries are still learning how to perfect and use. The problem is other scientists have tried to duplicate those results and are a little bit skeptical. Cold fusion, cold it's, fusion. This may be a cold fusion case where hey, these guys thought they saw carbon nanotubules. Really, that's just you know, kind of the typical rods that always form in this kind of cementite, this kind of uh, right. of carbide rods and cones mineral. Um, so it looks like that, but it doesn't have the strength and the stiffness. So what that means is there's still disagreement today over how Damascus, our current Damascus steel, is, and it's possible we are still thousands of years behind. There's a Damascus steel gap. <laughs> the Damascus steel gap, gentlemen. I, I, uh, it's so hard to not, when you have a new technology, to not believe that it supplants all old technologies and to immediately stop 
manufacturing the old thing. Especially and, when it's a gun. And for that the, answers every problem. Right. For the last uh, not very many years, this, as you, as you sort of mockingly described it, the artisanal um, – I didn't say culture. Evil. Yeah, that's just our little that's our little joke over on Roderick on the line. But um, this idea that maybe oh no we'll we'll uh, we'll return to uh, the old way of making whatever cutlery and and boots. But uh, but I see it all the time that you know there'll be some new thing and we assume it's the best thing. And I I feel like Damascus Steel is a great example of a thing we we still wish we had, and it was, it probably disappeared in the space of one generation. I also like it because it's more beautiful. You know, it's not just that, Hey, uh, on paper, you can see that this chemical compound is a little blah, blah, blah. Right. Like it's, it's really, it's pretty amazing looking. And it is nice for people our age to think, you know, maybe the old ways were better because we're getting in an age where we think that anyway. Yeah. I mean, now (laughs) Think, think about that movie yesterday where the whole premise is that, the music of the Beatles would instantly outcompete any other genre of music from any other time period in history. Sure. Because it, of boomer exceptionalism. It would always heal every <laughs> problem. I mean, the thing is, as soon as you get old enough to own a piece of real estate, you start to go, well, you know, things weren't all bad back in my childhood. Back in the Crusades. <laughs> Look, could the Crusades have been all bad if the swords had such pretty yeah. ripples? Now that I own real estate, I want to both sides the Crusades. And that concludes Damascus Steel, entry 314.ps4503, certificate number 26207, in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that the technology of social media was lost in a great cataclysm, I don't find that unlikely at all. I find that incredibly likely. Futurelings, in the incredibly likely event that social media technology was lost on purpose the metaverse explodes when somebody sells and somebody hands uh wiley coyote an nft of a stick of dynamite imagine how the future looks back that to the retirement of jack dorsey from twitter it began it began the like implosion of social media oh let us hope uh, but you can, in the meantime, and maybe t- in the distant future, look back at our time at Omnibus Project, at Ken Jennings, at John Roderick. Uh, you can email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com. I think gmail.com will survive all cataclysm. It's doing well so far. Right? It's bigger than... It's really thriving. Bigger than a breadbasket. What will be the Omicron email that can finally outcompete Gmail? Who knows? Maybe Hmail? I wonder, I wonder if... The, if Gmail is a thing that we just assume is too big to fail, but one tsunami up that up the uh, up into San Jose, and it's all it's all wiped away. Everything it's all lost, or it could just be lost when um, the last generation of people who actually send email die, which is probably <laughs> five years away. <laughs> My kids haven't sent an email in ten years. No, is that right? It's all. What do they communicate with you through TikTok? Yeah. If I tell them I have to make a TikTok saying, hey, kids, it's time for dinner. And they make another TikTok where they do a little dance and say, I'll be down in five. It's it's exhausting. Um, You can hang out with other futurelings and talk about how things used to be not so bad uh, before the British Raj. The steel was prettier before the British came in. uh, uh, On Facebook and other social media places uh, where futurelings congregate. You can mail us things in in the U.S. mail that will outlast all social media. 
at P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. Of course, that's the address. You can mail us things via any method. You can send us packages to that address from Federal Express, I'm assuming. Is that true? Will they deliver to a U.S. post office box? Won't they? I have no idea. I mean, it's just an address. Federal Express delivers things to wherever you give them an address, I'm assuming. But will they get the? But some postal employee has to put it into the back of the box. The hmm. FedEx guy can't get back there. Will, right. will the postal guy take a delivery from FedEx and put it in the right box? Maybe he won't. Maybe Must he's having do. a bad day. Have we never gotten a package from Federal Express at your post office box? I have no idea. I could Google this right now, but it's not that interesting. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, and you can support the show at patreon.com slash omnibus project. Your generous contributions help us uh, help us produce the show and help um, help us keep the lights on here at omnibus HQ slash bunker. You'll be relieved to hear that FedEx has a product called Smart Post, which is used solely for this. Basically, they use the postal service for the final leg, and that allows for P.O. Box delivery. I am relieved. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. All our secrets will be lost like Damascus Steel. You will have no idea how to do a boomerang video or uh, what's our other technology? Bubblegum. If the worst comes soon, however, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if Providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus. Omnibus.